0: Welcome to Unobscured, a production of iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke. Dr. Phillips looked down at Alice's corpse. The cries that Jack the Ripper was back to bloodletting were ringing in his ears. It was the summer of 1889, and Dr. Phillips had a job to do. He had to clear his head. He had to examine the evidence, the evil marks left on Alice McKenzie's body. And he had to determine, like before who might have guided the vicious blade that killed her. The first thing he noticed was how shallow the cuts were. In fact, Dr. Phillips said in his report that, After careful and long deliberation, I cannot satisfy myself that the perpetrator of all the Whitechapel murders is our man. The mode and procedure of the cutting seemed to be different. He had witnessed the terrible brutality visited on East End women in the fall before. No one who had seen Mary Kelly's body would miss the difference. Or so thought Dr. Phillips. But just to keep things interesting, Scotland Yard once again requested that Dr. Thomas Bond come in to confirm the judgment. But what he said started an argument that has never quite finished. By the time Dr. Bond arrived, Alice McKenzie's body had started to decompose and it had been washed and handled since the first examination. Even so, Dr. Bond said with confidence that the cuts across her body, he saw the design of the Whitechapel murders, and he stated plainly for the police, the murder was performed by the same person. As usual, Dr. Bond convinced his friends at Scotland Yard, or at least some of them. James Monroe wrote to the Home Secretary that he had received word the very moment Alice's body was found. At 3 a.m., he had rushed to the scene of Alice's murder and immediately taken personal control of the investigation. As the evidence was gathered, including Dr. Bond's statement, James Monroe was convinced that the murder was identical with the notorious Jack the Ripper of last year. Along with his report to the Home Secretary Matthews, the new police commissioner sent on a map. On it, he marked the places where Whitechapel murders had taken place. But here's where the next argument lies. Because yes, that map showed the murders that Dr. Bond had considered back in October. Polly Nichols, Annie Chapman, Liz Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Kelly. That's five. But the map had eight murders marked. It included two women killed earlier in 1888, Emma Smith and Martha Tabram, along with a new case of the murder of Alice McKenzie. It seems the police, under James Monroe's direction, were still considering whether all of these women were killed by the same man. His map, though, completely left out the torso murders, and in the following days, it seems that Monroe's mind changed. When it came to imagining the Whitechapel killer, the legendary Jack the Ripper, behind the death of Alice McKenzie, Monroe's conclusions swung from agreeing with Dr. Bond to agreeing with Dr. Phillips. At least, that's what Monroe told the head of Scotland Yard. It was a flip-flopping attitude that would follow every East End murder investigation for a long, long time. Whenever a new body turned up, the question had to be asked, was this the work of Jack the Ripper? In a year that followed the 1888 Autumn of Terror, everyone responsible for governing life and death in Whitechapel was caught in a fog of uncertainty. At Alice Mackenzie's inquest, Win Baxter intoned for The Times of London that there is great similarity between this and the other class of cases which have happened in this neighborhood, and if this crime has not been committed by the same person, it is clearly an imitation of the other cases. There is nothing to show why, he said, the woman is murdered, or by whom. This is Unobscured. I'm Aaron Mankey. Who was responsible? It was the question now set before every mind that wanted to solve the Whitechapel murders and unmask.